Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast and the Class. Breakfast and the Class today is sponsored by Sarah and Shai Mahani, dedicated in celebration of the engagement of Sophia Mocha and Jeffrey Dweck. As well, Breakfast and the Class is dedicated in honor of Rabbi Ariel and Frida Mizrahi on the occasion of the birth of a baby girl at 2.57 this morning. From Rabbi Shlomo and Hannah Farhi. As well, Breakfast in the Class is sponsored by the Dweck and Sion family, dedicated in honor of Mauricio, Solomon, Sammy, and Leon's birthdays. That's a lot of birthdays right there. That's not Bogo, that's Bo Guff. Um, may they all live a long, happy, healthy Torah-based life up until 120. May Hashem bless them in Kai Israel with full, real, true, and complete and gratitude. Always having a karate tov and bibisimcha. May they always continue to be the Kiddush Hashem. They are always spreading Hashem's light, love, and Torah. Wherever they go, we want to thank Hashem for blessing us with an incredible family. Baruch Hashem. Dedicated also in loving memory of Lili Nishmat Ezra ben Farida Alev Shalom, sponsored by the Ajmi family. In loving memory of her dear mother, Lili Nishmat Khanabat Moshe Masuda, on her second Askara, sponsored by Patricia Chava Kadosh. Uh, breakfast also dedicated in loving memory of Jacques, Jacques Bobot, Lilun Ishmad Yitzchak Ben Mira, sponsored by his friend Gabriel Amos. And finally dedicated by Miriam and Judah Perlstein for Rabbi Fari on his quote-unquote real birthday. I don't think he is old enough to drink as this is his 15th or 16th birthday, but he is the spirit of the party, both spiritually and by truly being there for the other person wherever he goes. We wish him many more amazing celebrations until 120. Hazaku Baruch. That was very special. Sammy, well, you have to make your Rabbi Chalanyam joke every time. I'm missing it. Okay, fine. Let's go. Rabbi we have a beautiful, a beautiful idea to talk about here today. Baruch Atah Adonai. We also want to thank Avram Simmons for uh, bringing me on my real birthday an extra special, uh, look at that magnificent uh, uh, cake. The birthdays never end. Let's go. Are we ready? Just a couple minutes, just a couple minutes of a couple day, a day and a half of Simcha left, right Avram? We got to celebrate the, the final throes of Adar, of, Nis, of uh, joy before we, get to go, before we get to Nisan. Okay, let's get cracking. My friends, um, I want to share with you a magnificent piece uh, taught over by Rabbi Weinberger. A magnificent idea. We are in the throes of uh, learning all about the nega of tzarat, this uh, uh, spiritual affliction that comes to someone who unfortunately has, uh, speaks Lashon Ara, or a person who's stingy, they don't want to share. In either scenario, we know that a person could develop this affliction of tzarat on, his, on the walls of his home, on his clothing, or even on the person's body as well. And one of the things that the Pasuk tells us to look out for is to look out for primarily, although that also appears in certain instances in other colors, but primarily the negav tzarat is, appears as white. In fact, they give many different shades of white, which illustrate that someone actually has tzarat, and the Kohen would look at it and decide whether it was tahor or tameh. He asks Rabbi Weinberger, he starts by asking a magnificent question. In the Torah, whenever we come across the color white, white always represents purity. Why would the color of the Nega Tzarat be white? In fact, we find on Yom Kippur that there's a red string, the red string turns white to, sign- to signify Kapara. We know in the Navi, the Navi says, Im ya'adimu, if you are red, if your sins, if your sins will be, ya'adimu katola, they'll be Red like a red string. I guess they had the people with the red string item even then, okay? If they're red like red string, they will become white again like snow, indicating the purity. The clothing of the Kohanim, what color is it? All white. The clothing of the Kohen Gadol that he wears is all white. In each of these scenarios, we find that white represents purity. So why in the world 
would we have white representing the color of impurity when it comes to tzara'at? Now I want to share with you something magnificent, an idea that we shared in part yesterday, uh, but today I want to explore it with much greater depth. It's written in the Sefer Yitzirah, a Sefer that's attributed to Avraham, Avraham Avinu. And in that book, Alpi Kabbalah describes the process and the names of God and the elements that were required for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to bring this world into existence. You know, a little, little, little bit of light reading, okay? And in this book, in the Sefer Yitzirah, it describes the idea of Nega and it says that there are two words that are made up with those same letters. One word is the word Nega, which means a blemish, a wound, a problem, a sickness. And the other is oneg, which means an element of joy. The karate le Shabbat, oneg. Okay? You call out on Shabbat, you, but you make sure to attain for it only uh, wonderful things. So my friends, how could it be that the same word signifies oneg and nega? That the same letters should make that up. And the Sefer Yetzirah says, it depends on where you put the ayin. If the ayin is in the beginning of the word, oneg. If the ayin is the end of the word, nega. Says uh, the Sefer Yisrael describes this concept that there's nothing lower than nega and there's nothing higher than oneg. Where do we see this idea? If a person is tameh, met, they, touched, they came into contact with a dead body, they have no place, they can't come to the, the Yerushalayim, all sorts of problems. However, the concept of a baal nega is actually lower. A person who has sarat is in a worse place in, with regards to some halachot right, then even a person who is in contact with a dead body. And yet Oneg, we know, is the height of joy. So a person could be at either end, extreme end of the spectrum. And to what do they owe this differential? And what will d- differentiate and delineate a person who's riding at the top of the world or a person who's literally crawling on the ground at the lowest possible state of the human existence? Where you put your eye, Where you put your eye. My friends, the Pasuk says, <clears throat> by the nega tzarat of the beged, if a person gets a nega on his beged, and the Pasuk says it doesn't go away. And after seven days, what happens? The says that, and the nega, lo atach eno, its eye did not change. Meaning the ayin did not move from the beginning of the word to the end of the word. If a person, after getting all those things, lo atach eno, it didn't donate, the eye did not change, then he continues to be locked up another seven days. In every difficult scenario that comes to us in life, there's an opportunity to move our ayin, our perspective, from one side of the spectrum to the other. Being here or there, front or back, depends on the person's ayin how they are looking at their own life situation and circumstance. So the Midrash brings a fantastic idea. And this idea will help us understand how do we move our ayin from one to the other. This guy, this guy, he's, he's already in a problem. He's already suffering. He's already got an issue. How does he move and change and shift his ayin and shift his perspective? How does that happen? So there's a beautiful midrash that's quoted in the beginning of the parasha. The beginning of the parasha says, And we are following, as we said yesterday, the story of the halachot of kosher, of the kosher animals. Says the Midrash, If a person was zocheh, we say to this person, the pasuk, In the end and in the beginning, Tzartani, you've fashioned me, you created me. That means that a human being was created both at the end of creation, 
i.e. in his physical building. He was made last after the sky and the, and, and, the, and the earth, after the trees, after the animals, after everything. He's the thing that was made physically last. But he's also, vakedem, he was also created first. In what way was humanity created first? Sof ma'aseh. That which was made last, was thought of first. We are the purpose of creation. So in the process of building a building, right, the, the thing that you create comes at the end. But the thought process you use, the vision that you have for that building, that actually comes first. So we say to humanity, it depends on you. Were you created first or were you created last? Was everything created for you, with you in mind, so that you should walk into a completed world that has in it already everything that you need? Which way do we look at the human being? And said, the Gemara says, uh, the, the Midrash says, What does it depend on? You. If you were Zoche, we tell him, At You preceded the creation of this world. But if not, we tell him, Even a mosquito, was created before you. Now that sounds, I mean, it sounds like an epic smackdown by God, let's be honest. You know, you, even a mosquito was created before you. But like, I mean, first of all, why a mosquito? Why are we using that to tell the guy you're worthless, even a mosquito was created before you? What do we mean by that? And I want to share, because in this, I think, lies the concept, the difference between ayin and ayin, between the shift of perspective that causes a person to live life each and every day as if today is a blessing or today is a curse. You know, my friends, <clears throat> the secret is in the Pasuk in Tehillim. Achor v'kedem. Front and back. Before and after. Every person in this world has an opportunity to look and to dwell and to think like on things that have happened to him or her. Today, if you go to a psychologist with a big problem, with some big psychological deficiency, some deep depression, one of the things they might focus on in their therapy is asking you what things you went through as a child, which traumatic experiences molded and shaped your uh, perspective on life, your outlook. They might delve into all of the things that happened before. But my friends, if you focus on all of the terrible things and negative things that have happened to you in your past, where is there an opportunity to be able to move forward? When a person takes their ayin, and instead of looking backwards, they look forward, the ayin comes in the front, then their life is onik. And it almost is irrelevant. I don't want to say irrelevant, but it almost is irrelevant what is taking place in their past vis-a-vis -vis what can take place for them in their future. My friends, I want to illustrate this concept because I think there's something magnificent here. We say to a chatan and kala, sameach tesameach re'im ha'ovim. Right? Celebrate, Re'im Ha'uvim. Oh, wonderful friends. Friends of the Chatan and Kala, but also uh, the Chatan and Kala that are called friends to one another. Re'im Ha'uvim. Like your God, He gave you joy in the Garden of Eden. Mikedem. Uh, all those years ago. Right? In the past. Now the question is, what does that mean? We're telling them they should rejoice like God made Adam and Eve happy in Gan Eden. They're not in Gan Eden. And the answer is, my friends, it doesn't say Began Eden. It says Began Eden Mikedem. Now, I want to ask you a question. Gan Eden exists in the past, but Gan Eden also exists in the future. It also exists in the present. So what does the Berachah mean? 
בגן עדן מקדם, כסמך אחי יצילך, בגן עדן מקדם. I think there's something amazing here. You know, if you look, when Adam and Chava, when they did the terrible sin in Gan Eden, they were driven out. And where were they driven out to look in the Pasuk? The Pasuk says, Mikedem, they were driven out. Kedem, over there it means, uh, at least on one level, it means the direction. Kedem refers, Kedma, where does it refer to which direction is Kedem? Yes, it means forward, but it also means the direction means east. Okay, they were driven. Gan Eden was Mikedem, it was in the east. And when they left, they had to go to this new place. And what Borei Olam was telling Adam and Chava, the prototype man and woman, what he, what he was telling first man and first woman, which were a model for every man and every woman, not just in marriage, but in existence, he was telling them, there are times when you are driven away from Gan Eden. Yet, you need to remember always that the place you were driven to is Mikedem, is to the, Kedem, the east of Gan Eden. Yes, in directional uh, distance, it moves in that, to that place. But in, in theory, in perspective, in understanding, in emotion, there is always a possibility of going back to Gan Eden. And the way you go back to Gan Eden, to heaven, is by having a perspective of Kedem, of forward. Achor v'kedem sartani. A person could take a beating, but one second after the last punch landed, that's in his past. It's over. It happened. Where am I now? What do I have here today. I always thought that there's something magnificent about the word in Lashon HaKodesh for today. How do we say today in Lashon HaKodesh? Hayom. Hayom in Bekolot Ishmael, says the Pasuk. There was a man who came to one of the great tzaddikim and he said, tell me, when is Mashiach coming? He said, today. He waited the whole day, no Mashiach. Next day, when's he coming? Today. Right? He didn't know he was Syrian. Today means three days from now. Okay? I was driving. He was, gonna get, he was getting there. But, he, you know, I got, I got everything. In there. Okay, fine. Yeah, Hayom, he does it today, today, today. Finally, the guy says, you keep telling me that. He says, Hayom. Today, if you listen to his voice, if you did the mitzvot, if you did the right thing, then Mashiach would come. But perhaps a deeper understanding of that Gemara is what Eliyahu and Avi was telling him was, Hayom in Bekolot Tishmau. There's two ways a person could do mitzvot. A person could do mitzvot like this. Or a person could do mitzvot with energy, with excitement, with electricity, with joy, with simcha. How does a person live life with that kind of joie de vivre? How does he live with that joy of life? How does he do it? Hayom in Bekolot He does it by focusing on the word Hayom. You see, the letters of the word Hayom are Mei Hashem, Mei Yud Vavke. It's the letters of from God. But the funny thing is, you have the letters Mem, you have the letter Yud, you have the letter Vav, you have the letter He. You're missing a He in the Yud, He, and the Vav, He. And the concept, I think, my friends, is we know that the name of God, Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke, signifies Haya, Hove, Viye. He was, He is, and He will be. Haya, Hove, Viye. My friends, the double letters of present and past both have a focus on two letters of hey, correct? We look at that. Haya, hove. In yihiyeh, there's also two letters of hey, but there's also two yuds. That means that the dominant letter in present and past is hey. And in the yihiyeh, in the future, hey does not play as dominant a role. So hayom, if a person is standing on this day, and things, they wonder, they doubt, 
there's a, almost a missing hey, God wasn't with me today, or wasn't with me yesterday, I feel. My day didn't go the way I hoped. My life, my marriage, my business, my mood, my everything. All of that is deficient, it's lacking. I don't feel it, I don't experience it. It doesn't seem to me like Hashem is with me. Understand, in the, in the tomorrow, in the Kedem, Gan Eden is waiting for you. With the condition that your ayin is at the beginning of your word and you're looking forward. A forward-looking person is a person who lives in the realm of Oneg. You know, I need to share one beautiful and powerful concept. You know, uh, we all talk about Aharon HaKohen. And we, we, we marvel at Aharon HaKohen's inner strength. Because Aharon lost two sons. And in the aftermath of the losing of those two sons, the Pasuk says, Vayidom Aharon. And Aharon was silent. But if you contrast that, there's another person in the, Torah, in, the, in the Torah literature that has experienced tremendous loss, has experienced a difficult life. None more so than David HaMelech. David HaMelech is, I mean, oh my gosh, the worst. Right? Nothing goes right for this man. From not being believed in as a child to rumors that he wasn't even a kosher child to being pursued, people trying to kill him literally his whole life. Right? His own father-in-law, Shaul HaMelech, he gets promises that are broken to him. His children rebel against him. He has a child that's dying, he prays and the child dies anyway. The saga of Bathsheba, the misunderstood king, etc., etc. Nothing goes right for David HaMelech. And David HaMelech says something which helps us understand that he is in this level even higher than Aharon HaKohen. Because Aaron, after suffering, it says, right, it says, Vayidom Aaron. But the Pasuk says by David HaMelech, Leman Izamercha Kavod Veloyidom. After all the suffering, uh, David HaMelech says, I'm not going to stay silent. Aaron remains quiet, accepting the judgment of God. David HaMelech says, I will not remain silent. Not to complain. But actually, to go one step further, to sing songs of honor to you, God, for what you did give me. To place my eye in the beginning, forward, never backward. You know, they say, uh, the rabbi says, he remembers from his parents who are Holocaust survivors. And these Holocaust survivors, they had an un uh, unfortunate uh, a gift, if you could say it. They were able to tell in the concentration camps who was going to die. And how could they tell? When the person was broken, when they had nothing to live for anymore, it was just a matter of time. They were living on the brink. They were clawing literally with their fingernails, holding on to life for dear life. The only way someone could survive was if they were excited, motivated to live another day. If they were fighting for life. If they were not fighting for life, the inertia, the uh, entropy that was present in all of the camps would ultimately result in the person disappearing from this world. There are stories of people who would take toothbrushes and brush their teeth with dirty water. There were people that would bathe in water, in muddy water. And when they asked these people, what are you doing? You're dirty anyway. You're using dirty water to wash yourself. What are you accomplishing? 
using dirty water to brush your teeth. What are you accomplishing? And you know what the response was? It might be dirty water. But if I can feel like a human being, if I could take a shower, even if the water is muddy, if I could go through the motions, if I could have something to live for. For so many survivors, for years later, they would have a baby, and what would they say when the baby was born? A smack in the face of Hitler. Why'd they say that? You want to bring Hitler into the delivery room? Why was Hitler featured at every Jewish wedding? At every Jewish bar mitzvah? The guy's dead and buried, Yemach Shemo, we should never mention his name again. Why were they so fixated on revenge? You know what the answer is? It's true. Part of it is because of what they lost. But there's a deeper meaning. For many of these people, that revenge was what they were living for. It gave them a purpose, a meaning, a drive for a tomorrow. Because in my tomorrow, I could get him back for my mother, for my father, for my brothers, for my sisters, for my town, for my people. That thing which sparked their desire for another day, you don't get rid of something that powerful quickly. My friends, this concept, if it was true in the worst of times, how much more so is it true in our times? And this is not to mitigate anyone's suffering. And I always say this. You know, people always say, smile, other people have it worse. That helps me not at all. Right? In my own life experience, my worst experience is the worst experience of my life. So you have a spoiled person, and they're crying and quetching over something stupid, and you just want to yell at them and shake them. But really, you have to understand from their perspective. They just had the worst experience of their life. Even if the worst experience of their life is that the barista only put whole milk in their coffee. Barmanan! But their day is ruined. Their day is ruined. And again, we wish that, I mean, I wish them, I wish that they stay that spoiled. I wish that this continues to be the worst thing that they know. Inshallah. But my friends, when a person suffers something or goes through something very difficult, we have choices in life as to how we, uh, we live our life, how we live, how we see, how we move forward in the most difficult of times. If anyone here needs a little reset button on forward-looking, go online and Google a woman whose name is Miriam Peretz. I think, I think that's the correct name. Miriam Peretz, who loses a son in the Israeli army. And then the law in Israel is if one of the children pass away in active duty, all the rest of the children are patur from serving in the army. Because no mother should lose should lose a, a second son or a second daughter by Menan. The class today also should be for Leiluni Shama for Shirabat, Ruth, who we just lost only this week at the hands of these animals, Yamach Shimam. My friends, so that's the law. But her two sons, her next son said, We want, we want to join, we want to protect Eliraz, Eliran. And then she had a third son. The second son was Niftar, passed away also in the army. The Pasuk says by Rivka, Lama eshkol Why should I lose both of you? How does a woman like that get out of bed in the morning? And not only does she get out of bed, 
She becomes a symbol of Am Yisrael's strength, Am Yisrael's resilience, talking about emunah, talking about growth, talking about moving forward. Unbelievable. My friends, I want to end with this. We started with the question, why is the Negat Tzara'at white, if white represents purity? And the answer is, my friends, to illustrate to you that even the most difficult things in life can be seen to be pure, can be seen to be precious, can be seen to be beautiful. But the challenge is, where is the Ayn? If you spend your day, why me? How come? I don't have the other person has. I don't have. If your Ayn is in your past, all the things that you lost out on, opportunities that you did not get, people that you could not date, things that you could not achieve, then your day is miserable. You live in the world of Nega. But just because you lived in that world yesterday, who says you need to live in that world today? Hayom me'amunai. I'll end with this. There's a fellow who comes to work and they're sitting there eating lunch, these two construction workers. Guy pulls out a sandwich, delicious uh, turkey pastrami, fantastic, he's munching like a king. Second guy opens up his lunchbox. He goes, ah! Tuna fish, again. And he eats the tuna fish, he's mumbling, grumbling. The next day, again, the first guy opens up his box. What is he eating today? Fantastic roast beef sandwich, the nice Russian dressing. Second guy opens up his lunchbox. Tuna fish, why? If the three, four, five, six, a week of this, the guy, with the Mr. Broadway sandwiches, turns to the other guy, he says, why don't you just tell your wife to make you a, a turkey sandwich instead? He goes, my wife, he goes, I'm not married, I'm single, I make the sandwiches. Ha ha ha, ha ha, what an idiot. We're the idiot. Because we make the sandwiches. We make the sandwiches, we make our day, we decide how today's gonna be. Oh, another day like this, so terrible, I this, that. You decide. Do you want to focus on yesterday or on tomorrow? Everybody has that opportunity. You know where Gan Eden is? Mikedem, right in front of you. But you're turned around. And the hard truth about Gan Eden being in front of you is that if you turn around and Gan Eden is right behind you, your eyes see for miles a desolate landscape, for miles, rain, for miles, miserable weather, horrible things, difficult people. And it doesn't matter that Gan Eden is only one step in the other direction. Where is your Ayn? Achor, even Yitosh Kadamach. Backwards, even a mosquito, a mosquito all day long, what does he live on? He lives on sucking blood, on misery. You know, every conversation a mosquito has is, you know, the mortgage, oh, you know, the pro my, my weight, my heart. Every conversation is blood-sucking, is miserable, and it makes everyone around him miserable. Nothing I hate more in this world than mosquitoes. Or, Kedem, you are the purpose of all of creation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you, even when you don't understand him. You have a brighter day in front of you. 
You just have to march in the right direction towards the dawn instead of into the night. You ever on a plane and you're flying into the night and the night just seems to take forever? You ever on a plane where you're flying into the sun where two seconds after it was dark, it's already getting light again? That is the journey of life and you are the pilot. Stop making freaking tuna sandwiches. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. 